wander at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. So said Saint Augustine, and I can't help but feeling, although he lived a long time ago, that he might in some way have been referencing the 1615 podcast, where we perhaps go further into any series of a thing that anyone has ever gone before in a 15 minute period. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, what we essentially do is take six things of a thing and summarise which is the best of those things, or rather, I suppose within all the things, like you have the six things which you've chosen from all the things, um, and then those six things get put in a specific order, we discuss them in a 15 minute window. Now, I started this off hopefully with uh, an aim that we would in somehow be beating the clock, uh, but the reality of the situation does seem to be that it's actually relatively easy uh, to summarise six things in 15 minutes. But let's not worry about that now. Let's go straight into today's topic, which is the projects of Alex Garland. So Alex Garland, often connected to Danny Boyle, at least in recent years. Is that true, Dylan? I don't know if that is, not really in recent years, is it? Maybe at the start of his career, uh, because he was, after all, uh, the writer of the book The Beach, which kicked off his career in the mid-90s, uh, and I was a huge fan of that book. Uh, he certainly wanted to be one of my favourite writers, then turned into one of my favourite screenwriters, uh, and has now uh, risen up the ranks to be one of my favourite directors as well. Um, so he is an interesting figure in that he did start off fully as a novelist and now has gone into uh, feature films basically full time, um, hence why the Danny Boyle connection which seems actually to be more the linchpin uh, between those things rather than anything new. Um, so what's going to be quite interesting today is we're going to be going through uh, all of his projects, or at least the top six of them as I discussed at the start, uh, and just saying well I like them, what's interesting about them, especially within his uh, very exciting stretch of a career, especially if the standards of projects really has remained high throughout. So um, I'm going to start off in number six with the coma. Uh, it's I've started with this because it is one of his less uh, well known of his works. Um, so it's a novel. I think it's his third novel, I believe, after the uh, Beach and the Tesseract. Uh, and it's basically um, a one trip story that never really confirms if it's set within our reality or if it's with set within uh, the dream world of the character. So essentially, um, someone passes out on a train, I believe, or maybe there's a fight at the start. I should, really should have double checked that. Um, but from there you don't know if he is just in a coma or if what he's doing is actually part of the reality um, and it really doesn't matter if the book goes on it's just a very interesting uh, very short chapters uh, little book uh, with lots of really interesting visuals uh, and it also features woodcuts um, drawn by his dad so drawn by his dad carved by his dad see there's no editing this podcast um, and that's a really crazy thing it's just a really nice neat uh, little book you can just pick up and enjoy and um, a really straightforward story but told well uh, through nice clean writing 
Um, so going from the coma, one of his less well-known books, to uh, if you are listening to this in 2018, perhaps uh, the project that's most hot off the press uh, for the old Alex Garland. How are we doing for time? Look at that. 11 minutes 20, blimey, I might actually have to pick up the post today. Oh my gosh, this could get quite exciting uh, towards the end. Uh, but Annihilation is still hot off the press. Um, so to be honest, I'm still kind of uh, digesting it as a project. Um, essentially, it is a, uh, a film of a book that came out a few years ago, uh, which is basically about a kind of a... See, listen to that crack. That's me just hitting my recorder there. Never would have allowed that in a real project. That really is appalling. And I can only apologise, especially for someone listening to this on a high volume. Um, but yeah, so basically there's a big bubble. It's gone over a big part of the American landscape. Everyone who goes inside disappears. Uh, and a group of scientists and other such people uh, go inside to see if they can work out what's going on. Uh, and they find a world that seems to be mutated. Uh, almost like uh, this bubble has somehow infected the landscape uh, and built some very strange animals indeed. So I thought it was a gorgeous piece of filmmaking with some really crazy visuals and some absolutely remarkable sound design. If, if you want to watch a film with truly fascinating sound design, unlike of course the sound of this podcast, uh, I would highly, highly recommend that film. Uh, what's quite interesting I think as well, I think this is Garland's, well, uh, if you can't dread his third um, directorial effort, even though the first one isn't quite official, we'll get to that later. Um, but he's really come into his own as a super confident filmmaker who's taken on the confidence of uh, gender politics as well, and has some stunning special effects works, uh, special effects works even uh, to include too. Uh, there's a kind of weird bear human monster in it, which you really won't forget after you've watched it. It's a truly remarkable thing. So um, obviously it's quite well known by this point that um, it wasn't released at the theatres and you, if at least you're in the UK, you can watch it directly on Netflix. So uh, it, it can be quite a tough watch, but to be honest for free, I believe it's worth a good two hours, good two hours even of your time. One of the hardest things about this podcast uh, is the fact we can't edit it. I really do hate it when we have those slip ups like this, but you know, at least at the very at the very least, look at there's another one. That's remarkable, isn't it, that I made a slip-up as I was explaining that we keep the slip-ups in. Um, at the very least, it proves to you that we really do time this. We really are against the clock here. Okay, so uh, on to number four, which is Dread. Uh, and I was always a Judge Dread and indeed 2000D uh, fan anyway. Uh, I think it's highly likely we'll be doing a six in 15 uh, of 2000AD at some point in the future. Um, Although obviously I am talking about the comics here when I say Judge Dredd, not the 1990s film. Um, so as I say, although Garland isn't officially the director, there are rumours, um, as he was the screenwriter when it came to the edit, he actually took over um, a lot of the work. Um, so in many ways, this is an Alex Garland film, at the very least an Alex Garland written film. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I was lucky enough to go and see it at the cinema, even though it wasn't on for very long. Um, and again, beautifully stylish film. And uh, like a lot of Garland's work, it's set in one location, but it feels on an epic scale. Uh, Keith Urban is perfectly cast as Dredd, never takes the helmet off, and he's more than happy that that's the case. Um, and it really gets the uh, both the nastiness of um, the future world that it's set in in Mega City 1. Perhaps it doesn't quite get the humour uh, that's found in a lot of Judge Dredd stories, but when you consider it to that slick Hollywood effort, within five minutes you feel so happy and confident with the, the Judge Dredd world that they create. There's, as I say, there's some really amazing directorial work 
be it that the work of the original director um, or just done the edit with Alex Garland I think it's absolutely fantastic um, I know a lot at the time it's compared a lot to The Raid to be honest um, because that uh, I suppose the comparison between those two films now they're both relatively old five or six years old you don't worry about that anymore when you watch it you can just enjoy it in itself um, fantastic watch I really wish they'd made a sequel maybe there's rumours they'll make uh, an animated one one day whether that's the case I don't know but at the very least uh, regardless of whether you're an Alex Garland fan go and check out that film so now we're going on to more of the uh, the Danny Boyle side of things uh, in 28 Days Later. Um, so again, Alex Garland, screenplay, I think written by Danny Boyle as well, at the very least working very closely with him. Um, I watched it when I was 17 and it absolutely blew me away. Um, so written by Garland, I know I'm sure obviously it takes uh, Danny Boyle's genius to bring it to life as well. Uh, the strong script is just so crucial in getting this made. Um, it feels like it's on just as the cusp of like zombie and horror films were coming back in together um, and to be honest obviously it's a very low budget British horror film which are churned out every year so easily could have been just a complete throwaway effort but in the hands of these two talented filmmakers and of course everyone else involved too um, the throwaway film is an absolute classic uh, if you're a horror fan it's a must watch if you're a zombie fan even though technically they're not zombies it's a must 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 watch um, really was a huge influence on my life I thought it was absolutely fantastic incredible shots of London really still aren't rival to this day uh, especially as they're all practical they really did just go out and film it at 4am in the morning um, and just shows what can be done uh, on a budget if you really push it um, nice little a bit of digital work as well I think um, some of the work some of the shots in there are digital shots and it's amazing to see that um, it's such a kind of long time ago um, when you do see that digital work it looks so different to today um, but a fascinating little film, fascinating even, little film, really worth a peek. Uh, a horror film, it's an essential, really. Oh my goodness, me, five minutes, this is very exciting. Mm. Okay, so number two, uh, on to the beach. So uh, the beach, perhaps still what Alex Garland is most well known for, didn't actually make it to the number one spot, although I am still a huge fan of it. Again, it was around about when I was about 16, 17 that I first read it, uh, and it's one of those few books that I did read in one sitting. So uh, what's very interesting, especially when compared to the film, and I think that's not that I personally think the film is great, um, but just to clarify, this is the book that I'm talking about, not uh, the film version of The Beach. Um, it, the, the book version has a, the book has a real British feeling to it. Um, although you might be more familiar with uh, the film, the book takes itself a bit less seriously. Um, you know, like a lot of the stuff when he's trying to chat up the girl in the book, it doesn't actually go anywhere. He's a bit more of a nerd. Uh, there's a lot more uh, introspective of his character as well. You get to know him that bit more. There's some flashbacks to back home. Um, but by the end, it gets a lot more graphic uh, than the film of the beach as well. So it's not just the same story retold. They both very much stand up on their own independent merits. So if you're a fan of the film, I'd highly recommend the book too, just so you can see the differences between them. There's one bit uh, in a kind of tunnel in the water, which is really, really stressful too. Um, it's a probably, um, ironically, considering that it's set in Thailand, one of my favourite scenes is what I mentioned, that um, it's the bit where he talks about when he's back home and he used to be part of a rough gang and he was uh, throwing milk bottles um, up in the street. It's kind of up in the air to smash them. And yeah, I just thought, 
it was just the way he really managed to sum up what it was like to be uh, a British person in the mid-90s, even if I was only about 10 then, so perhaps that sounds slightly pretentious. But it's a big one, it's a classic in uh, fiction anyway, and it's very much at number two on my list. So, what's going to be at number one? In three minutes and 21 seconds to go. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely do that, can't we? Do you know what, I might just run the clock down just to uh, add a bit of tension. It's like, um, I suppose I'm very much like the uh, the podcasting version of the hair um, at this stage in the Tortoise and the Hare race. So obviously, as we all know, the hare uh, gets very near the finishing line, decides to have a nap, and then the um, tortoise overtakes him and goes on to win the race. But unlike that hare, um, I suppose if he'd had like a kind of, like a clock that was counting down um, where the turtle was. Tortoise! If it's going to be a turtle, he wouldn't be able to walk. He'd have legs, he'd have flippers. But um, if the hare had had um, some kind of timer that would uh, um, show how far away the tortoise was, he, I suppose he was asleep, wasn't he? So that might not have happened. He had some kind of like alarm, so maybe when the um, tortoise gets within about 50 metres. Um, but that's kind of what I've got here because now I can see that we're down to 2 minutes 20 so I'd better crack on with the top one. See, unlike that hair, uh, I've come prepared. So in the number one spot, we have Ex Machina, uh, Paps Garland's first unapologetic film, i.e. that he was the director and the writer. And in my opinion, this is an incredible movie uh, that ticks all my favourite boxes for sci-fi. So it's a kind of low-key story um, set in the near future uh, with only, I mean, only really three characters. Uh, it's a very believable character study uh, with lots of twists along the way. I thought absolutely fantastic casting across the board. Uh, uh, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, even when you think, you know, he did um, Star Wars around the same time, so two kind of science fiction films, it's amazing uh, the different areas that he's able to push himself um, as an actor. Uh, and it's really just a very gripping character study, looking about how we will use possibly artificial intelligence in the future, um, kind of what it is to be human, but I think it appreciates that basically it's basically a story about, you know, um, is... A robot can a robot be human but it also understands that's been done so many times before so it pushes it so much further than that um, and it's just a fascinating little watch looks incredible uh, just set up in the hills of America in this weird little um, kind of science fiction house um, but again totally feels believable as someone who might run uh, a big social media company uh, it's I don't want to give too much away really but just say if you're a science fiction fan but also uh, a fan of any kind of character studies or dramas, it really suckers you in. And of course, there's an amazing dancing scene, uh, which once you've seen it, you will not forget. Okay, so that was um, Alex Garland. We still have 35 seconds to go. So just to let you know that in the next uh, uh, number, episode, episode, yeah, I guess episode, gosh, I should remember what number this was before I started, never mind. Um, I will hopefully be joined by some of our other uh, fellow Scorebox contributors. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of interesting topics, possibly 6 out of 15, Sonic the Hedgehog games, and also very excitingly, maybe uh, a guest will be looking at some James Bond openings. So thank you very much for joining us. We have seven seconds left. So Alex Garland, check out his work. <laughs>